Changing healthcare starts with a dream. Better care, smarter care, and healthier people. Listen weekly as Dr. Gregory Goodman interviews today's most innovative MDs as they transform healthcare and share their journey from white coat to business suit, highlighting lessons learned and golden prescriptions for your success. Join us today and get your doctor-recommended dose of MD Innovation. So this is Dr. Greg Goodman, your host of The Modern MD. I'm very excited today. I've got Sandeep Palum, the Chief Medical Information Officer at Point of Care and Venture Partner of Liftoff Health. He most recently co-founded Health Recovery Solutions, which created a unique mobile platform to engage patients and their families and connect them with providers and hospitals to reduce readmissions. Sandeep is a mentor and advisor at Blueprint Health Accelerator. He previously served as senior medical editor of MD Links, an award-winning medical information tool, and aggregated information from 1,200 medical sources to keep professionals up to date. Sandeep, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you. Thanks, Greg. I'm happy to be here. So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about you personally and your journey as a physician entrepreneur. Yeah, you know, it's kind of a strange twist how things happen. Just like every other MD, you get on this train when you're in undergrad, you're pre-med and your requirements to take your MCAT and then you get into med school and then you take your your boards, your step one, and then you get into residency and then you, know, you go on to the fellowship. So by the time you accomplish your goal of becoming an MD, you know, you've spent a lot of time and effort and you know, money um, getting to the, the place to actually start you know, caring for people. And by that time, unless you're in a certain unique situation, you're sort of, and there's a great article that I just saw recently by Arlen, who started the Society for Physician Entrepreneurs that, that talks about the golden handcuffs, right? You you have these financial obligations to pay back loans, you know, you're sort of figuring out what to do. So by the time you get your feet under you and you start seeing opportunities to do, you know, make an impact on how you want to change the health delivery system, because, you know, we all know that it's not the best it could be. And so, you know, you're sort of forced into being on a path to accomplish your personal goals. But then when you try to do something to make a meaningful change within the health system, you don't really have, you know, too much flexibility. So for me, what happened was uh, between the time of uh, getting my medical degree and then waiting to start my residency, my wife was also a physician. She's an neonatologist now, but she was already in her uh, pediatric residency at the time. And so during that period, our family members had were diagnosed with some you know major illnesses. So two of them had cancer, uh, and I basically took time off, thinking you know it would be a couple months and going back and starting a residency. But it ended up being almost a year and a half. So during that time, besides going on all the doctor appointments, etc., I wanted to do something that you know took my mind off all the stuff that we were dealing with at home. And you know, similar to what you had mentioned before we started talking today, wanted to do something that was fun. And happened to um, end up starting uh, a small business outside of healthcare, uh, a digital media company, designing, and following some of the, the things that I enjoy doing, you know, like typical guy stuff, right? TVs and sound systems. So we designed, I used to design and help implement, you know, home theaters, home, home media um, rooms. And it was an opportunity where I, you know, started realizing, I didn't realize that that was something that I, I could do or, or had the opportunity to do if it wasn't for our family situation at the time. But, you know, we ended up getting to a point where I was had to decide going back to residency, 
board scores are good for seven years. I can always come back and do residency if I screw this up. Yeah, and at the time, you know, due to we had our first daughter, so having some flexibility in my schedule fit the ability to, you know, start a small business. So that's so I continued to do that and did that for some time. And then uh, in 2009, just around the time when you know, the economy started to crash a little bit, it was getting... So we transitioned from uh, digital media in the home to commercial center projects um, outside. And it was getting um, harder for our salespeople to go out and, and it was an ad-supported network. So during that time, I was, um, you know, thinking actually to do something because, you know, I had all this training and I didn't have a chance to apply it anywhere. Actually, going back when I was in med school, uh, I had a chance to work at a startup called medschool.com for about, for the summer. It was like a six-week program. And it was in Santa Monica. And so these guys had sold publishing rights to a publisher and they started an online company called medschool.com that was trying to um, create a la carte board review um, series. So you can do um, better than pay, you know, several thousand dollars uh, to a board review company. You can go there and do a pre-test and take targeted courses to help you, um, you know, find and fill the goal, uh, gaps in your understanding without having to spend a lot of money and, and uh, do well on your boards. So that kind of stuck with me. And in, in 2009, um, I had an opportunity to consult with um, MD Links, and the person that MD Links that I spoke with was um, Steve Smith, who was recently brought on um, after a subsidiary, of, uh, subsidiary company of Sony in Japan called M3 acquired MD Links in the U.S., and they were trying to grow their, their business, and Steve Smith was on the founding team of Medscape. And so when Steve and I met, um, you know, rather than becoming just a consultant, it, it was um, you know, a great opportunity to, um, you know, ask, he asked me if I could go on board full-time and, and help them with their um, the, the building the editorial team and growing the, the user base. So that's what happened, and that's how I got into transitioning out of my um, medical path and onto uh, the, the entrepreneur side and, and you know, not um, applying my medical training but in different ways. What an incredible journey, uh, Sandeep, and, you know, really cool story how, you know, life events or, you know, things um, can, can change uh, your, your path um, that are unexpected. And I think it's really great that, you know, you, you put your family first and, uh, you know, made that a priority. And it looks like it's, uh, it's been a fun, fun journey and, and a really cool opportunity to, to do something else. So, we love to start off the show at, at the Modern MD with the success quote. Do you have a quote that's important to you? Yeah, you know, I guess it is learn something new every day. And and to me, that's what I guess, um, you know, I, I, I learn a lot from my peers and from the other people that I interact with, especially, you know, using social media and Twitter. I learn something new every day. So that, that's as long as you're doing that, um, uh, I think you're, you know, you're moving in the right direction. That's right. You know, as long as you're learning one, one new thing or more, uh, you're progressing and, and growing and, and adding value, which is so important. So I know you touched on it, your kind of journey from what I'm terming the white coat to business suit, but can you talk a little bit more about once you joined MD Links, uh, that transition, were, were there some kind of new skills that you had to build or, or obtain to, to be successful in the business world? And then, you know, as you've kind of progressed to point of care and, you know, the uh, liftoff health um, as a venture partner, can can you tell us a little bit more about your journey and story? Yeah, so and I get asked this by my friends you know, who, who went on to finish their training and residencies and are not practicing now. 
And, you know, I get these calls once in a while saying, hey, you know, I'm thinking of doing something different. Can you tell me what? And and the the challenge is that, you know, there's no one answer, right? Everybody has different skill sets, and you have to find your own path to what makes you um, uh, satisfied and happy with what you're doing. But in in my case, it was, um, you know, the different kind of skill sets. So fortunately for me, uh, actually when I actually trained at, uh, I went to school at St. George's University in uh, Grand End, St. George's, and actually was doing um, research there in Dengue at the time. And so, um, and had an opportunity to do clinical rotations both in the U.S. and New York and also in England. And it was, I think that sort of helped um, me when I transitioned out from being, in the, you know, strictly in the medical world to being more on the, you know, entrepreneurial uh, side and especially in the business side, to be able to work um, and and you know my, my position was like this is new to me so I'm just going to try to learn as much as I can and um, the the, ch- the challenge is you have to sort of um, uh, be able to function in in different type of roles right so you have to be able to understand that you know just because you're an MD that doesn't really mean anything <laughs> when you're trying to uh, I mean, your expertise is important, but when you're part of a team, right, it's not like, oh, you know, I, you're, you're not always going to be um, in charge or you may have to be reporting somebody else. Um, and so that you have to understand that uh, it's a different uh, dynamic and environment, but you know, everybody has valuable contributions that they all bring to the table and you have to understand, you know, where your role is and, and, and be able to function as part of a larger team. So that's one thing. And then secondly, at MD Links, what was cool is, uh, and, and this is what's sort of unique about, you know, having have the background and training is um, uh, to be able to apply that in new business use cases. And Indie Links was great because they were providing uh, a great resource um, for free for doctors to be able to stay current with and keep up with, uh, you know, the, the always changing landscape of medical um, journal publications. And so we... Um, so what I learned during that process is, you know, what are the business models that can sustain this, right? You, you know, if you're going to be offering something for free, you have to be able to you know, keep the lights on and, and learning what those uh, mechanics were. And, um, you know, that that's one of the, the things that you don't learn anywhere else except, you know, having to be part of a, an organization that's, you know, moving uh, the needle on providing these services and also generating revenue. So that 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 was you know the business model, understanding um, how um, uh, the value that you're creating can be sustained. No, those are those are really important points, and I just want to highlight them. You know, because I I think it's a common mistake by a lot of physicians is that just because you have an MD doesn't mean you're going to be the top of the pack right off the bat. I think there's a tremendous amount of skills. Um, and knowledge you have to acquire and, and business sense about business models and other things in order to add value and, you, you know, be a really, you know, important piece of the, the team, but not always the, uh, the head of the pack. So really great advice. I want to, you know, transition into what I'm terming the idea to venture section. And I know you've been part of uh, founding and, and starting a few companies. Could you tell us, you know, one of the biggest things people are, are most afraid of is failure. And was there a time that, you know, you could share about a a story or lesson learned, you know, where things didn't go well or, you know, you had to pivot? So here's the story that applies to me. And like you said, you know, nobody wants to go out and and do something without having a plan or, you know, reduce the risk of failure. 
So, and the, one of the ways that for me that uh, fortunately the timing of these things are aligned with, you know, getting to me, getting to um, helping me to be where I am today is, you know, there's several organizations that started up, right? Uh, especially Health 2.0 and um, the, the work that they did with some of the um, uh, participating agencies with support from OMC and Health and Human Services. They created a series of, uh, so this was in 2012, 2010, um, at the time they started doing uh, health-focused hackathons um, and challenges. So for somebody who had, um, you know, so for, for a doctor or a nurse, uh, anybody who's a clinician that is, you know, busy taking care of patients uh, nights and days and weekends, and you have ideas, um, there's not a, a lot of opportunities for you to test those ideas. And you know, the worst thing you want to do is to go out and start building something and understand later that no one wants to pay for it or there's no revenue model behind it. So for me, what happened was I was fortunate enough to, so this was in a while, it's going to be links, um, 2012, uh, right before the Data Palooza conference in D.C., Health 2.0 um, sponsored and held um, a hackathon focused on finding sustainable solutions for <clears throat> obesity using open government data sets. So, you know, I thought this was interesting. And, you know, I had some ideas that I was playing around with. And, you know, like I said, there wasn't really a place to go validate them quickly. So the hackathon was, I thought, a place for at least to for me to go and see if any of my ideas, um, you know, were viable or they were just, you know, just not sustainable. So um, I showed up at the hackathon <laughs> At, I think it was like at 9 o'clock on a Saturday. And the way that it was structured, you spent the first hour um, ideating where everybody sort of stands up and says, this is what I want to build. And if you build um, consensus, other people would come up and say, okay, you know what, that, that sounds good. There's a, a mix of um, technologists, so people that can code. There is some um, uh, uh, designers. Um, you know, people that had worked with patient groups and, you know, surprisingly, there wasn't a lot of um, clinicians, nurses or doctors. I think there might have been a few of us. I think it was myself and two other people there. Um, but anyway, so, you know, I up and shared my idea and we had, um, yeah, like five people uh, by the end of the hour that had signed up and said, let's, you know, let's try to build this. And, and we did. So, you know, it was, it was really simple. It was um, using... And some of the studies that I had seen that showed how mobile tools now were being able to provide value to patients, especially around uh, smoking cessation, diabetes management, et cetera. And I thought it would be interesting to see how we could use that for managing uh, obesity, right? So today, you know, in the past, doctors would basically say to patients when they leave, you know, you know go home, get some exercise, eat better, see in a couple months, but there was really no support or, or plan for the patients to follow uh, to help them uh, rather than leave them to their own devices. There was uh, a great opportunity that there was that was missing to be able to engage with patients. So I, you know, learned about um, BJ Fogg's, uh, you know, behavior principles and thought they were a good fit to be able to build them into a mobile solution because of the small, you know, the many challenges of the nature of driving behavior change that BJ identified. So we built a product um, that leveraged uh, the open government data sets around nutrition, whether, um, can't remember now, so two years, there was, two, I think, two or three data sets that we found uh, to the government, uh, the open data, I think it's uh, healthdata.gov website, and also 
the National Letter Data Set, and there's actually a nutrition data set that the FDA had. So we put all this together and created a program that um, allowed patients to participate with their clinician. And what would happen is uh, we would send uh, a challenge. So this would be a series of health challenges that would um, target uh, individuals that would look like you were getting them from your doctor or nurse, but it would just be a text message challenging them. For example, it would be, hey, Cindy, you know, your, cha- your, your doctor said it challenges you to eat something purple today. And hopefully you would get to what's something purple and, you know, eggplant, right? And you either confirm or, you know, get a response back saying yes or no or no response. And we would start looking at this in the back end and, and seeing what the uh, success rate was. So if the patient said yes, uh, then the next step would be great. You know, you build them up to a, a, a more challenging set of um, uh, requests coming from the doctor. If they didn't, then you could say something like, for the follow-up challenge, I challenge you to add eggplant to your shopping list. So it's sort of escalating the challenges, but then pushing them to, uh, you know, keeping them engaged because they're able to accomplish these. And so we built this, and on, on Sunday when we presented, everybody presented, I think there was like 15 companies, uh, we ended up getting third place and won $1,000 at the hackathon, which was great. And and it showed that there was uh, an idea that there may be some you know, use for building it, but you know, everybody that showed up at the hackathon had their own day job. So, you know, it was great to you know, validate an idea, but you know, it was still wasn't enough to say it's a business, right? So for the next couple of days, I remember this was at the Data Palooza conference. I was, you know, going to different sessions, happened to be, I think it was a Tuesday, happened to be the session that was led by uh, Phil Gawande on the pioneering ACOs, sharing their initial data on how they were, you know, how their outcomes were. Uh, they're reporting on the, the initial um, status of their um, for ACO formation and the cost benefit that they're providing. And I happened to sit next to uh, a gentleman who was from, he was a, a managing director, I forgot his role, but he was from a, uh, ATO in Texas. And you know, we were just chatting and he asked me what I was doing there. I pulled out my phone and I showed him what we did over the weekend. <laughs> and I, you know, he looked at me and he goes, wow, can you can we use this? Can you, can you, can you give, you know, how do we, how do we get this? And I was like, well, look, you know, we just spent, I think 18 hours or so building this. And, um, you know, I, I wouldn't feel right selling this to you because, you know, we don't have a team, you know, it's not ready yet, but he saw the value right away because uh, they needed a system to be able to communicate with their large Hispanic population and get them more engaged on better health behaviors and, they were, you know, they needed something like this at the time. There was nothing that they had. So he took my card, or I took his card, and said, "Look, when we're ready, I'll let you know so we can try this out." And you know, it was amazing, right? So the next, uh, you know, several days, I get talked to as many people as I could, and you know, asked them what I do, what are, what are the next steps that I should take. And I met Aman Bandari. Uh, Aman was um, one of the, the folks that was involved with uh, Todd Park and ONT. Who actually started Data Palooza? I said to Amon, you know, you know, it's great that you guys have these hackathons and events to bring people together and, and build and test ideas. But you know, what happens? What's the next step, right? If you want to be able to take this and, and grow companies and grow ideas and, and make them into viable businesses, what do we do? And so, you know, he said they're working on that. They didn't have an answer yet, but he did point me to to Blueprint Help. Um, so I met Matt and Brad at Blueprint. Um, because I'm on the introduction, and, and so that's how um, that's how um, I ended up I ended up coming to Blueprint. Wow, what a what a cool story! And and 
I think, you know, to your point, the, the hackathons are, are really an incredible way to test a, an idea out quickly, uh, learn, iterate. Um, and if it doesn't work, fail cheap and fail quickly as well. Um, so it's really important. And I think to your point, you also brought up a, another important point, which is after the hackathon, you know, after your 48 hours of, of, of spending and grind, you know, grinding, you know, it's a, it's a big next step to, to take that idea and commit to it, actually build a business around it. And I think that's uh, a lot of the reason some of these accelerators have really provided a platform to do that. So, you know, thank you for sharing that. I, I think that's an important lesson, really important. So I'd like to transition into what I'm terming not our typical hospital rounds. These are business rounds. So Sandeep, what is the best advice you've ever been given? Wow. The best advice would probably be make sure that whatever you do, you're doing the right thing no matter when people are looking at you or when you know no one's around, right? So as long as you're ethical and you have integrity and are working with great people, uh, you know, that, I think that's, that's the best advice that you can give to someone is right here. You know, it's not about the money, it's not about the business, but rather about the people. So as long as you are committed and are able to maintain those ideals and standards, then you're, you'll always attract and, and, and be able to work with some you know, amazing people. No, I think that's, that's incredibly important. And it's all about the people when you look at a lot of these ideas and being and you know, providing and uh, creating a great team. So um, really important. So getting back to healthcare, what do you think are some of the most exciting trends and what are you following in healthcare? In terms of trends, right? So um, the big, a lot of these opportunities are being driven because of the Accountable Care Act and some of the changes that came about through the triple aim, right? Providing better quality, lower cost, and better access to health. So most people think of that as just insurance for, for more of the population, but there's a lot of things within the Congo Care Act that are driving opportunities that you see for entrepreneurship and, and new ideas to be used uh, and, and deployed, similar to, to what, to what um, your company does as well. I think those are there's large trends in terms of payment models, delivery, preventative health. So those are the big chunks. And if you look through each of those larger areas and then segment how care is delivered, right? So if you're someday everybody's going to be a patient. So if you think about it, you want to be able to work on solutions that are preventative. So I, I look at it as in, you know, what is that intersection between the clinical world and everybody else's lifestyle, right? So if you think of the encounter at starting at the office, you have everything that happens before the doctor's office and everything that happens after the doctor's office. So I always compartmentalize this and think through what are the solutions and, and problems that you can help solve to keep patients active and healthy so they don't have to uh, be in the office in the doctor's office. If you do, what are the things, you know, challenges and solutions that can be offered to make that encounter as efficient as possible for both doctors and patients? And then after that encounter, what are some of the things that need to be built or uh, what are the challenges that need to be able to solve to maintain and improve health after that? So, and then if you think through that to the next layer, you see some large trends around use of data and uh, mobile tools and having more participation on the patient side and keeping younger populations more healthy using, you know, established uh, programs, you know, in schools and preventing childhood obesity. So there's, so that's how I think through these issues. So, so, so data, mobile, and, you know, payment reform and cost containment, I think are big trends. 
Sandeep, that was incredible. You hit on a tremendous amount there. I encourage our listeners to listen back to that. You know, there's so much information and I think you, you hit on some really exciting things going on. So Dr. Sandeep Palum, thank you so much for joining us on The Modern MD and pushing forward and, and transforming healthcare. It was an honor to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today on The Modern MD. Head to themodernmd.com to get links and recaps of every show and so much more. Dose up and like The Modern MD Facebook page.